And I know for you, a lot of it is as well. And, and the main reason that it's such a big deal is that it typically comes with a big gift. It's one of those gifts that is too much for the regular purchase, you know, I'm talking about through the year, and if it's not your birthday and it's not Christmas, you're probably not going to get it when you go to Walmart, but you spend several months in advance prepping your parents, prepping whoever it is that buys your gifts, you prep them for that gift, right? I used to do this with my dad, you know, we would go to Walmart and, and, you know, mom would be doing some regular shopping and I'd be like, dad, let's go to the electronics. Well, he would be like, I know what's back there. You've already shown me. You showed me last week. You showed me the week before. And I'm like, well, maybe it changed. Maybe it's cheaper today, you know, but you prep the event, you sell the event, you promote the event, you make sure that you leave the catalog open to the page with a big circle. And it's that one big thing that you've been wanting the entire year or the better part of the year. And you make sure they see it at every single twist and turn throughout the month of November and December. But let's be honest, it's one that you expect to be under the tree. It's one that you've spent so much time, there's nothing else on the list, this is the one thing that you, you kind of know, and, and there's still an element of surprise, but you, you kind of got a gut feeling, especially when you get into that age, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, you kind of probably know it's there. For me, one year, it was an Atari 2600 bundle. I know, that is a fantastic looking kid. But it was one of those that I had spent all the time that I needed to, saying, Dad, not, I don't just want this, I need this. And so Christmas morning comes, and, and we sit down, and we open gifts, and sure enough, it was kind of the last package. You know, I'd opened up the clothing and the jeans and the shoes and, and all those sorts of things, and I knew it was there because there was nothing else that it, it, it could be, right? I mean, there's nothing else that I had opened so far that would make up for it, and so I knew, and so laid on my lap is this box, and I knew the box was the right size to be the bundle package. And so I rip it open, and sure enough... It was what I expected. It was the Atari 2600 bundle. And it came with an old game called Combat. Anybody remember that? It was real high tech. Two tanks and they just go, and then they fire these little pellets at each other. Real exciting stuff. Um, if you are a, a, a new age gamer, you have no clue what you missed out on. But the game that everybody wanted was what? Pac-Man. And so Pac-Man was not a part of the bundle. I knew there were no gifts left, and that was fine because my birthday is on December 15th, so I had some birthday money. I knew exactly what I was going to purchase the next day or so when we went to Walmart. I was going to buy Pac-Man. So that kind of ended the Christmas day, and we were excited, and, and, you know, and I, I, I did. I drove the little tanks around, and it was everything that I thought it was going to be. And so my dad said, all right, it's time for stockings. Now, stockings at our house is a big deal. It's still a big deal. And so mom and dad hand out the stockings. And this is where you typically got more of the day-to-day -day stuff or you got candy. And so we began to tear open the stockings. And sure enough, there was my favorite candy. If anybody's counting, it's Reese's eggs and trees. They're always fresh when it's seasonal. And then you'd open up little things like this and you'd squeeze and you're like, that's socks. I know what that is. And there was always like a belt rolled up, you know, and you're like, Okay, it's in a roll. I know what that is. That's a belt. And mom would go, no, 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 no. You got to still open it and take a picture. And so, like, there's like a million pictures of me holding a belt or a pair of socks. And, and then they, we would open up 
like sports cards. I would go, oh, go, yeah, those are real exciting. And, and then you'd open up these Lifesaver candies, and, and you'd open up gum, and it was such an exciting thing, and there was just all this debris that was left, and you were trying to get to the big, again, the big gift where there was a bike you wanted to get outside, and so we're all wrapping up, and I'm just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. My dad said, I think you forgot something. And I was like, no, we got it all. I got it. It was perfect. It was, it was everything I wanted. Thank you. Can we go to Walmart? <laughs> he goes, no, I think you forgot something. I was like, no, it's all here. He goes, you might want to check the toe of the stocking. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, oh, sure enough, there was one more. And so I take out... Didn't have a clue what it was because we'd already gotten the socks and the belt and the lifesavers and the candy. And I opened up this gift. And it was the most amazing Christmas morning ever. It was Pac-Man. Now, as I get older, I realized I got to save my money, which was pretty sweet. But then, this was such a big deal. We got Pac-Man. And so everyone had that customary exhale. What a morning. Luke chapter 1 comes around, and let's be honest, we know what the big gift is, right? We know what's coming, we know what to expect, but as we look closer into Luke chapter 1, what we see is that in the toe of the stocking, surrounded by the big gift that we all know and expect, in the toe of the stocking, there's some little things that have huge impact on the overall experience of the big gift. See, the, the toe of the stocking, this little cartridge Pac-Man was going to have a massive impact on the experience of the big gift. And Luke, through Mary and through Elizabeth, through this amazing testimony and the toe of the stocking, they give us something that has the capacity to overturn the accepted normal. Things that just seem like part of life and their routine. It, it's the accepted status quo in our lives and in the lives of others. And Luke says, listen, I want to highlight this because it's the toe of the stocking. I know that the big gift is the Atari 2600. I know that the big gift is Jesus. But don't forget to look at the toe of the stocking. And listen to what is said. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord would come to see me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is the one who believes that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on. All generations will call me blessed, for the, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his holy name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent 
the rich away empty. He has helped his servant, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as promised our ancestors. This passage, we know, is ultimately pointing to the amazing big gift that is coming Jesus, the Savior, the long-anticipated Messiah, the one that they had been looking for, the one that Isaiah refers to as Emmanuel, meaning God with us. There's going to come a moment when, when Jesus comes, the Messiah comes, the Emmanuel comes, and it's going to be God in the flesh, and he's going to dwell with us. But he says, don't miss what's in the toe of the stocking. It's what really shakes things up. It's what really adds value and power to the experience. It's, it's these things that come with the gift of Jesus that's going to change you. It's going to change your life. It's going to change those around you. Yes, Jesus, but it's those little things that Jesus brings with him that's going to have all this meaning. It's going to have this shake-up effect. It's going to be able to overturn some things. And Mary is anticipating the reality that is coming. It's a reality that says this, that when God steps into our lives, things change. And read in this, if we begin to unpack this a little bit, what Mary is saying is that change is coming because God is going to leave heaven and he is going to come in the form of his son. And when Jesus comes, when God steps into something, when God steps into our lives, when he steps into our world, the reality is things don't remain the same. Things change. It changes things that are formally in the past or currently accepted as normal. It changes things that are status quo. These things are overturned and found in Mary's words in Luke chapter 1 are a couple things that are unexpected responses to some extraordinary circumstances. And I just want to unpack two of those this morning. First, what we see in Mary's song and in Elizabeth's testimony is this. Number one is that their faith overturns uncertainty. Let me ask you, anybody dealing with some uncertainty right now? Your job's uncertain. Your relationships are uncertain. Your finances are uncertain. You don't know what next year's going to hold. There's some uncertainty. Your health is uncertain. Your neighbor's health is uncertain. A coworker. We deal with uncertain times and uncertain things, and we don't know what the outcome is going to come, or we don't know what, how this thing's going to shake down, and neither did Mary. But what I see that bubbles up in this is that her faith overturns uncertainty, and in that hope is found. Guys, look at these women's responses. And can we just stop and, 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 and take a good hard look and note that the fact that, that the mouthpiece that is going to be used to showcase faith and to bring about the coming, not just physically, but the announcement of that these are women, Guys, this is, this, is not to be, this is not to be taken lightly. This is extraordinary. And I think it has remarkable impact on our current culture. That God and Luke in, 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 this, in this cultural diversity that really wasn't appreciative of it chooses these things. This, he, he says, listen, you want a snapshot of extraordinary faith. Well, let me start by just showing you some extraordinary women, especially in light if you look at who's around them. In that culture, it was a very male-dominated culture. They were the ones who not just took the lead, but had all the control and power. And look at the men in this passage. Zechariah is silent. 
In fact, the better way to put it is he is silenced by God because of his lack of faith. Ah, there's no way that, that my wife Elizabeth could be, could be, you know, she's pronounced barren and she's 88 years old. I mean, there's no way. And God says, well, since you won't believe it, we'll just go ahead and silence you until the baby comes. Now, some of you ladies would go, I would love for my husband to be silenced for eight months or nine months. That sounds like a blessing in another. You want to talk about a gift in the toe of the stocking. <laughs> and then you got Joseph who we put on the Christmas cards and make him all magical. But do you remember Joseph's initial response to this? He wanted a divorce. You want to talk about uncertain times? Uncertain circumstances? And I love the fact that God used women to be the steady, the concrete, the rock-solid voice in this. And their testimony, these women, one a teenage girl or a late teen, one an 88-year-old thought to be barren, they remain faithful and they resolve to be faithful through the entire process. These ladies didn't know what to fully expect. They didn't know what was to come, and especially Mary. Let's just unpack that for a second. Mary, this young lady pledged to be married and a virgin, and in that culture, that was an honorable mark. It was a badge of self-control and, and moral faithfulness. And now all of a sudden, she's pregnant. It was an automatic black eye. Guys, this, this had great bearing on her future. This was not only something that would destroy her reputation, this could impact the fact that she was with child, but not married yet. Supposed to be honorable, a faithful pledge, and all of a sudden she shows up with a baby. This was one of those things that could have destroyed her livelihood. But look at her response. Her response is unwavering faith. 100% faith, 100% trust, 100% belief in what God was going to do. In fact, Elizabeth says, blessed is the one who believes that God is going to do something. See, believing and responding in the present uncertainty according to what God was going to do in the future, she said, God's got this. See, tucked away in the toe of the stocking is this. It's a faith that overturns the current uncertainty of the current circumstance. And then we begin to unpack that faith that it produces some byproducts that are really kind of side notes in this too. It's this sort of faith that produces joy. I mean, you got babies leaping. you got her hurrying. I mean, she's pregnant and hurrying to make this long journey. And she says, listen, my soul glorifies and rejoices and overjoyed in awe of being chosen. There's this, this joy that comes with being a part of something that your faith steps into that is bigger than you regardless of what your current opinion might be or your current situation might be. When we begin to step in these realms of faith, joy comes. So what I see in this is that, that joy and faith are closely connected. At least they were for Mary. And I began to look at my own life. And what I, I noticed is that the moments that I'm most joyous, I'm not talking about happy. Because circumstances won't always allow that to happen. But the moments that I have, have experienced this 
almost undescribable, this exhilarating amounts and moments of joy, nine times out of ten are closely connected to the moments that I have taken big faith steps, that I have stepped into an arena. And so Mary says, listen, don't forget that in this moment when you're hopeless and joy doesn't seem to be stirring, just step into faith and see what happens. That faith overturns uncertainty. It produces joy. And I also see in this first section that, that it produces this sense of humility. See, there's a certain amount of pride that comes with birthing a child, right? We've had several close friends who have birthed child, children over the, not, not at the same time, a child over the last couple months. And guys, it's pictures everywhere. And I love these. It's this. It's pictures, and and they're so proud, and they should be. It's extraordinary moments. There's one one set of friend of ours who it's like here is so and so in the just woke up, and it's like a picture in the bed. Like six minutes later, here's the same kid now on the recliner. Here's the same kid now in his changing station. Here's the same kid in his car seat, and it's like, and it's just this this overwhelming amount of joy, and like I said, it, it should be. Now, what if your baby was John, who was going to pave the way in the case of Elizabeth, of, of this Messiah, or what if it was Jesus? Guys, Facebook and Instagram would absolutely explode. And I noticed that even in the midst of this extraordinary moment, both Mary and Elizabeth realize and showcase and spotlight what? Just like parents do, the kid, the child. Their, their humility in this to say, listen, this is never about us. She's birthing the Savior. And she says, oh, my soul magnifies and glorifies what? The Lord. It wasn't about them. It was about God. It was this amazing thing that he was going to do through them and for them. Their response of humility as a result of their reflection of who God is. God, you are so good. I don't even know why you would choose me. I'm so grateful that you're mindful of me in this moment that you could have chosen anybody. I'm so humbled by this. And I believe that their joy was such because of their faith, but I believe that their humility was also concrete because of their faith. That all of these things began to be closely connected. They knew who he was and what he could do and what he was doing. They knew that all they had to do was show up and be available. And what I see out of this as we begin to look in the toe is that God's attributes are not only meant to be understood and praised and to be worshipped, they are meant to be seen and experienced in our daily lives. Mary understands that the bigger picture, and it excites her and it humbles her. It's not just the personal effect that it would have on her that brings joy, but she expresses the joy in the fact that she would be ushering in God's redemption, that she would be ushering into action God's redemptive purposes to the world. And that is this God who through Jesus would not just affect present, but would affect future. Current events would begin to be shaped and created different future events. And if you begin to listen to what she says again, and we kind of peel back the joy, we peel back the faithfulness, we, we peel back the humility, there's one more little gift. Look what she says. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the 
humble state of a servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from thrones and has lifted up humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent away the rich empty. And he has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised. And this one has massive impact that Jesus' presence now overturns the accepted norms of the future. And I know that's a lot, so let me unpack that for just a second. Because hope is found in this. See, he is coming present tense. Mary says present tense, he is coming. She says it shapes things that we have come to know and accept as normal. It, it, it shapes things that have become really status quo for us in the current. It shapes them in the future. She says it's not just Jesus coming. It's the ethics that he's going to bring with him. It's those things that are going to be the major shifts. There's things that are going to change. And those things are going to overturn the culturally accepted norms. Not just in this culture, but she says generation to generation. She uses the word forever. Meaning that he is going to continue to overturn things that we find normal. Status quo, static, acceptable in this culture as well. And the key verse to all of this is this. If you, don't, if you write in your Bible... If you write things down, I want you to write down these three words. I want you to underline these in your Bible. If you go back to verse 48, she says, from now on. Jesus is coming. And as a result of that, from now on, there's some things changing. There's some things going to be overturned. There are going to be some major principle changes. And Jesus is going to bring them not just into your life, but into the lives of those around you. And as believers. So if you're not a believer this morning, your guest is kicking the tires and checking things out. You can kind of check out for a second. But guys, as believers, as Jesus follows, those of us who have taken on the name of Jesus, I think we've got to take God at his word on this. I think we've got to not only take him at his word, but we've got to be amazed at his involvement in the normal details of our lives. And we've got to take seriously the call to be involved in the normal details and changing of the normal details in our lives and culture. See, knowing God's grace, we've got to echo Mary's song. So you ready? These are big ones. They're major themes of change. After she says from now on, Jesus is coming and there's going to be some things changed. Look what she highlights. She says, verse 50, from now on his mercy extends. It's this picture of a loyal love that is unmerited. It's undeserved, but it's given. It's extended. And it's backed by love that is faithful and gracious. So, and, and this is so countercultural, right? This is not the normal in our world. We live in a world where you get what you deserve. We live in a world where what you, you, you get and what you have is based on some sort of merit of what you've been able to accumulate and bring to the table. And she says when Jesus comes from now on, no, mercy is to be extended. Why? Because he has extended it. 
And I love this picture that overturns a cultural norm, a status quo. It's God's mercy that not only expresses itself in sheer brute power, but it expresses itself in compassion and redemption and justice. Meaning that I've got to step into some places where I see mercy is not being extended. I've got to step into some places as a, as a representation of Jesus. As Jesus has been birthed into my life, when I begin to see places that mercy is not and justice is not being carried out, it is my responsibility in light of Mary's song to echo her song and step in and say, no, I'm here to extend unmerited, unwarranted, undeserved mercy. And then we begin to continue down this thing. She says in 51, she says, from now on he scatters the proud. She says there in this new code, in this new kingdom, in these new ethics and what Jesus is going to bring, not just in the big gift, but in the toe of the stocking, she says there's no place for pride. There's no place for you to think more highly of yourself than someone else standing beside of you regardless of your circumstances or theirs. There's never going to be a moment when it's okay in the kingdom of God to look down our nose and act as if we have somehow achieved and exalted ourselves and we have somehow surrounded ourselves with this moment of success or this moment of, of piousness that allows us to go, you are less than me. There's no room for, for pride. And, 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 and it, doesn't, it doesn't fit with the narrative of who Jesus is becomes. Verse 52, she says, oh, from now on, the humble will be lifted. Do I really have to unpack this to tell you we live in a culture where the humble get overlooked? It's the ones that power their own publicity, their own self-righteousness, their own. Mary says, you need to understand that you're not the center of the story. And in that, live in this zone of humbleness. 53, she says, from now on, he's going to take notice of the least. He's going to take notice of the poor. He's going to take notice of the marginalized. He's going to take notice of the outcast. And if you know anything about Jesus, you know that he goes to those places first and often. And it's not just the poor physically, but the poor spiritually as well. And Mary says, from now on, these things that we accept, they're just normal parts of life. Is there really anything we can ever do about it anyway? And Mary says, yes. Yes. Change is coming. And all of this, Jesus delivers because, as he told Mary, I have been mindful of you. I remember you. Guys, this is not just a declaration that Jesus is coming. It's a declaration of what Jesus is all about. And if you look at the first time that Jesus opens his mouth to teach, and opens his mouth to address the public. Fast forward. Jesus has been born. He has been birthed into this world. He is God in the flesh. He's now beginning his ministry. And listen to the first words out of his mouth publicly. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the hungry. And those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus ushers in a new ethic, a new principle, a new code to live by. And Mary saw it coming. Mary saw it in the toe of the stocking, that it's not just about the normal power play, abused authority, chasing stuff, wealth, selfish pride that overlooks. She says, no, 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 there's a new way. It's the Jesus way. And I love that the mouthpiece is a young lady named Mary. What an amazing moment. A moment that without a doubt is a true thrill of hope. Stand with me. As we land this this morning, I want you to go back to that phrase I told you to underline. I want you to remember, from now on. See, once Jesus was birthed, everything changed and continues to change. So here's the question that lingers and, and, and lands on us today. How will you, from now on, begin to live out an echo Mary's song. See, once you allow Jesus to be birthed in your life and in your heart, once we begin to make him Lord and Savior, when we surrender our life, when we surrender our will to him, when we make him and his ways what we chase after, what we got to realize is that everything changes. And so I walk out of these moments with from now on on mine. From now on, I'm going to be an extender and a giver of mercy. From now on, I'm going to work on my pride. I'm not going to make me the center of every story that exists. From now on, I'm going to visit some places and some people regularly and often and first because that's where Jesus would be. From now on, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a, a giver. I'm going to be a, a, a contributor and not just a consumer in a season that's so full of what I get and what I consume. No, I'm going to, from now on, I'm, I'm going to make this season about what I can give and how I can be attentive to someone else's needs. From now on. And one of the things that we value is not just when we come to, to, to service collectively and we get fed, it's, it's how we respond to these moments. When we begin to hear these these incredible passages that are just as alive today as when they were written. The hope is, is that we engage them in such a way that we lean into them, as Chris said, in such a way that, that, that breakthrough, that response happens. And we want to be a church that responds outside of this hour. We don't want to just experience something in here and go, man, that makes me feel great and makes me feel comfortable and saved. And I'm sure glad I met Jesus. But no, we want to, we want to leave here and when we exit those doors, we say, from now on. And so we want to help you with this over the next few weeks. Out, out in the lobby, you'll have them if you haven't already picked them up. We have given you what we're calling 12 Days of Hope. And guys, sometimes it's the little things that matter. It's, it's the toes of the stocking. And so we've outlined 12 days that start today. They're 12 consecutive days that we want you to be a, a giver. We want you to be a contributor in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods. And this is just one way. This is just one from now on. There may be some things that are deeply personal to you that you need to work on from now on, but there are some things that we want to help you with outwardly. So we just want you to participate in 12 days of sharing. It's going to end December 20th, so plenty of time for Christmas. And here's what's on the list. It's just sharing cookies with your mailman. 
or a gift card with your sharing a cup of coffee in the morning. It's Monday. Everybody does coffee. Share a cup of coffee with somebody in line or ask the person in the cubicle next, can I get you a cup of coffee? I'm on my way. It's sharing lunch with someone today. It's going to be sharing joy, these moments of happiness. You're going to share a Christmas gif or your favorite Christmas song or whatever that looks like in your world. You're going to share cookies with a neighbor, walking across, getting off our phones and off tech and knocking on the door physically and saying, I've got something for you. It's more than a text. It's more than just a Facebook message or an Instagram post. It's going to be things like sharing a handwritten note. See, when I have to stop and handwrite something that lets whoever receives that know, I took an extra minute to do it instead of just using my thumbs. And these are little moments that echo parts, bits, and pieces of Mary's song. But they're little moments that get us in rhythms that begin to look for bigger moments, that get us continuing to look in the toe of the stocking What's there and how can I continue to give? How can I continue to step into the world that God has stepped into? How can I get in step with him as I navigate these? And then we're going to celebrate community. We're going to celebrate with the community next week, but we celebrate community every week. And so we're going to step into a moment today as we dismiss, as before we leave. That is a moment of what we call communion. That is a remembrance of not who Jesus was, but it's a remembrance of who Jesus is. And it's, 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 it's calling us to be aware that Jesus is not gone. Jesus is still here and he's present. And that that presence shapes my future. But it shapes the future of 40 families next week that we're going to shop for. And it shapes the future of a coworker who is struggling to get to work because they are emotionally drained. It's going to shape the future of an addict. It's going to shape the future of a homeless man who hasn't opened a gift in 30 years. It's going to shape the future of race battle. It's going to shape the future of gender war. It's going to shape the future See, it's not something that we take because of what he did. It's something we take because of who he is and who he's making us and who he's cultivating us into being. And what better place to do that among those of us who are not perfect, but among those of us who are seeking and striving to be more like him, getting in step with him a little bit more every day, knowing that I'll surround these tables with friends and family who will cheer me on and encourage me, will help me and remind me to be more like Jesus from now on. Father, this morning we just pray that you do mighty things as you have done in the past from now on. That God will never forget to look in the toe of the stocking because there's some pretty cool stuff in there. And in the midst of this announcement, God, there is change that happens and change that comes and change that lasts change that impacts so as we move into these tables God I pray that you will remind us of the amazing wonderful majestic gift that is Jesus but you also encourage us equip us empower us to step into a world that you are already knee deep in and in doing so God Things will be different from now on. You just missed into the tables.